I'm David, and this is Old News. Hello, and I'm Russell. It's, uh, it's nice to be back. Yes. We thought we might uh, reintroduce Old News to any new listeners that have come in at episode four. And so just to recap, what is Old, old News? Old News is here to look at things that have gone off the agenda, news stories that perhaps created a lot of column inches and a lot of interest at the time. Maybe things we've thought, oh, well, let's revisit that and see if we've got anything new or interesting to say about it. Yeah, when, when I've been writing all the bits and pieces for the internet, I've basically had that little sentence that I've reworded a couple of times. <laughs> so there's different versions of it. I'm not, I don't stick to message very well. But uh, things that make you go, ah, whatever happened about... Dot, dot, dot. News. So, uh, what's happened to you this week? What's happened to me this week? Oh, well, the, the last, actually, three weeks, isn't it? It is three weeks. I had to do some extra time at work, yeah. which was uh, frustrating. I also had to get out of the country, <laughs> <laughs> which, everyone, which makes me sound like a mobster boss, right? Yeah. Well, it's for various arcane, bizarre tax reasons. I had to get out of the <laughs> country. <laughs> Which makes me sound even worse. (laughs) This is all legitimate, I feel you. So I spent a couple of days in Dublin, and I'm very interested in the the modern history of Ireland. Uh, It's a history that we don't get taught very much uh, in the the UK. So I think the highlight of the few days I did spend there was I went to see the exhibition at the General Post Office, which was the headquarters for the the 1916 uprising. Obviously, it's the 100th year anniversary of the uprising this year. That's interesting. Interesting to see it from very much the Irish point of view and, and not the kind of the slightly stuffy British point of view, which tends to be these uppity Irish, how dare they? Even now, that does tend to be the attitude. So th- that that was really interesting. I, I greatly enjoyed that. Otherwise, I've had a relatively un- uneventful two weeks, three weeks. Mm. Yourself? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, it's nice and warm in here, I noticed. The, <laughs> yeah. the heating's were working. The heating's working, yeah. <laughs> so I've had a few disasters this week. First of all, I went to bleed a radiator in my bedroom, and uh, the little, I don't know what you call it, the little bleed thing. Bleed valve. Bleed valve, yeah. Basically just sheared off in the key. <laughs> but it, 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 felt, came, it came off in my hands, Chief. Yeah, it felt like it hadn't turned, and I couldn't hear anything, so I just mm-hmm. assumed, oh, well, I haven't loosened it, I'll, I'll deal with it tomorrow, because mm. it was getting late, so I just left it. After I went to bed, I started hearing a... Kind of noise. Oh dear! Uh, <laughs> so it had actually opened a tiny little bit, and I felt the radiator. And as a, a bled radiator should feel, it's it hot, hot the all the way at the top. I was like, "Oh right, okay." It's very slowly being bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> so I jammed it up with uh, some blue tack and draped it with a towel to stop. The ever technical fix in the David household, <laughs> including the desk lamp that sits next to me in the studio turn here. Around, turn around. With with the uh, the blue tack, the blue tack has gone. It's fixed. You fixed it, and well it's even done. got an LED bulb. Wow! <laughs> Such. So the bit of blue tack that came off the lamp was, was there. Was the used, bit of blue tack. Uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And then a farce ensued where it leaks. It squirted water at you. Yeah, we took the radiator off, preparing for one of the pipes to be under pressure, but not the other. But it turned out both appeared to be under pressure. Ah. So as. Me and my dad took the radiator off. We were both showered with brown water. Oh, joy. <laughs> Me significantly into the face. <laughs> we had two adjustable spanners, 
sort of go in opposite directions to try and tighten these things up at both ends. David furiously minds, minds the opposition spanner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, essentially simultaneously, it's this sounds like a little thing, but a bulb went in the study that we're sitting in right now, and the fitting... The fitting collapsed, collapsed in your in hand. hand. Did you get the 240-volt shock? No, because I had to. Oh, shame. <laughs> no, I've learned my lesson on that one twice. Yeah, so that collapsed in your hand, then you had to get another one. So th- this is all things David touches and then break. In the meantime, uh, my mum and dad noticed that the flat roof at the front of the house had sort of come away somewhat. And while the man was here today to fix that, my dish- uh, sorry, my washing machine broke. So you've got either rain from the outside getting getting in, or you've got internal rain that you're creating yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great, marvellous. Well, sh- should we move on to uh, other news? O- other news? Has anything big happened in the know. world of it's... geopolitics in the last couple of weeks? I'm trying to think. You know. Not sure. There's a large orange <laughs> elephant in the room. <laughs> 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 the Satsuma colour elephant. Yeah. But this is old news. So, so yeah, let's not talk about the recent <laughs> let's events. Let's not dwell on recent events because it's all far too depressing. It's old news. Today's episode of Old News is all about the Republic, or not, of Kosovo. Kosovo, is it a state? Is it not a state? We'll discuss that later on. But the first question we want, wanted to address, because we thought that a lot of people sort of might not know or just perhaps have forgotten because it's not been in the press a lot recently. Where is Kosovo? It's one of those places where everybody just says, well, where, where is it? I don't, it's one of those places people joke about not knowing where it is. Like Azerbaijan. Yeah, a faraway place of which we know little. But if this is any help to anybody, because a lot of these places are also joke where is that places. It's, uh, (laughs) they're not joke places. Oh dear. Might have to reword that. (laughs) (laughs) Places that become the butts of jokes, perhaps unfairly. It's northeast of Albania, southwest of Serbia. Some people would consider it the southwest corner of Serbia. It's north of the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. Essentially, it's slap bang in the middle of the Balkan Peninsula. So if, if you kind of think Greece... And go north a few hundred miles. Are these all places that Alexander the Great at some point swept across and sort of came in into? Well, Alexander the Great was from Macedonia, but not the Macedonia we've just mentioned. Yeah, from the, the, the Greek Mas- Macedonia. Uh, but yeah, it would have all have been part of his empire at the time. Sorry. It was all part of the Roman Empire and thence the um, the Byzantine Empire. Yeah, not that they ever called themselves that, but yeah. Yeah, the the east the Eastern Roman it was just Empire, Roman, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Romania. Funnily enough, for a oh while. right, so that's where that that name comes from. Yeah, except modern Romania had nothing to do with the Byzantine Empire because it it had been got rid of from the empire a long time before the empire oh, got right. split into two So this parts. is just one of these linguistic curiosities that maybe travels with populations moving. The same yeah. sort of word has yeah. occurred. Yeah, all right. Old news. The first substantive point, or perhaps perhaps just to set the scene a little bit, I think uh, we've already shown how sensitive this issue can be. And uh, I've entitled this little bit as Let's Tread Carefully, because I, I have a few friends who are Croatian and Serbian and so on, and the national sentiments here are extremely powerful. These are a very, very 
powerful four, four forces we're talking about here. You know, with the potential to break out into violence and uh, so on. Maybe it's not directed at us, but sort of amongst communities. And any discussion of the Balkan areas always just horrendously complex and. There are claims and counterclaims on both sides as both hold equal uh, validity. And, you know, it's just Serbian nationalists in particular and Albanian nationalists as well, they have a reputation. And I think this is demonstrated by a little anecdote. I have I have a few Belgrade-related anecdotes that, that will relate along the way. Uh, I was in Belgrade one time and it turned out that I was wearing... A jacket of a particular type, of a particular brand. There is the adopted brand of Serbian nationalists, which I found quite surprising at the time, but I, I discovered. And there was one person at the event who really took umbrage to my appearance, given that I was British, and given that I'm you know, probably an openly gay man. This really, really irked him. And at a social occasion after the main event, he didn't say anything to me, but he got very irate and angry at the organisers as to why I was there. And uh, he was asked to leave. And the Serbians, to their great credit, very much protected me from that. I found out sort of at a later date. This, this, this is what happens when you tread on people's identities in that part of the world. And it very easily causes offence. I think we're doing a good thing to talk about. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm suddenly very now. nervous. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's. I think we just need to be careful about saying broad things and understanding that there are historians who know the histories to great depth, mm. and they disagree about who is right and who is wrong and who is justified. So the the, the date I've got down for like for the old news. Let's let's concentrate on the old news, mm. right? So mm. uh, Kosovo declares independence on the seventeenth of Feb, uh, two thousand and eight which is notable because me and my friend <laughs> we arrived in belgrade as tourists for for a university event the day after on the 18th right okay yeah. and in belgrade the, the the mob had burned the british embassy the night before Right. <laughs> so, in a piece of spectacular timing, we were sort of rather nervous about how our sort of reception w- would be, but they didn't stop us at the border. We just, you know, we, we, we got we got into the country fine. What was interesting was there was a lot of people attending that event from ver- various parts of Europe. There was a handful of Brits. Uh, the Irish came. They they had no fear at all. Uh, I think because Irish neutrality really sort of helps on these issues. But also, there was a lot of people meant to be coming from Croatia. Because obviously it's just a very short train journey or whatever to go to events in Serbia. It was amazing the number of students that cancelled. Right. Yeah, and particularly Croatians. I think there was just this feeling where a lot of people and their families felt, you know, mobs gathering and burning embassies and things are kind of the events that lead to the build-up of tension. And... I think a lot of people had seen what had happened 10, 15 years before that. Yeah, so that that, that was my sort of... The, the, the Declaration of Independence of Kosovo actually had a very sort of personal uh, effect on me in a way. And yet, when we were there, we were treated very, very kindly as guests and we made friends of people of all different na- nations. And, you know, there are still people I met then that I still talk to now on Facebook and things. So that's my little sort of Serbian anecdote. The next bit I want to talk about, so we're going to set a bit of context i don't think we can talk about the balkans without a bit of broader context so we're going to go from old news to like really really old news <laughs> yeah so i mean the balkan wars in the 90s i mean I, I i can remember watching things on the tv news at the time and i'd be sort of like 13 4 14 at the height of it 
and there are certain incidences I can remember. I can remember the Srebrenica ma- massacre. Yeah, yeah. I can remember that happening. But I also remember when they liberated the um, the internment camps uh, of folk where people had been moved, moved out of areas in the name of sort of ethnic cleansing and had uh, been put into internment camps. And I can remember then... I sound very worthy, whatever, but I remember being quite shocked by that because it reminded me so strongly of the things I'd seen from the Second World War. Yeah. And all of those things were sort of in black and white and quite distant. Yeah. And suddenly you had the same thing going on in colour. Yeah. One thing I remember, uh, like a feeling I had at the time, was was it Srebrenica where the Dutch soldiers were trapped? It was, and and um, and they got heavily criticised for not yeah, acting. I, I remember f- thinking at the time, if they can't do anything, what's the point of them being there? And kind of that was the first time I realised how toothless the UN was, how you how toothless UN uh, peacekeeping troops were. Yeah, and can be, you know, in, in they can be terribly toothless. They've not got yeah. any sort of because uh, I, I felt horrendously sorry for the Dutch soldiers who yeah. must have been there on the ground yeah. but not able to do anything and and yet morally they could have because I mean, one of the yeah. things that, that, that happens a number of years later is when because uh, the Srebrenica massacre is a big event in Dutch history because they remember how they were involved there and when when they had the uh, all the investigations and report, government reports whatever it, it took years and years and years to resolve but when the final report came out the entire Dutch government resigned right because it was such a scandal because everybody said you were there you knew what was happening and I, I always thought that it's to the to the Dutch's credit that somebody took responsibility in the end. Okay, so you could say that the poor innocent people of Srebrenica paid the price. but and, and okay, so a bunch of politicians lost their jobs or whatever. But I think it's still symbolic. You know, there's not many countries where that would have happened. You know, the current government could have just easily have said, well, that was a government of a few years ago, you know. Had nothing to do with us. Yeah, we yeah. moved on, yeah. One of the things I was going to ask about was immediately before the Declaration of Independence, in the, the, the years leading up to, to that, you'd had the um, the intervention in the late nineties. Kind of one of the first, one of the early things in the Blair government, wasn't it? The intervention by, by NATO. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, because it was in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So I mean, how did you feel about that at the time? Were you in favour? Were you opposed? Or was it something you didn't? I, well, I was in. I was in favour. That might be controversial to hear to a lot of people. Again, sort of going back, I guess this was partially informed by what I had seen in the, the earlier Balkan Wars. Mm. We saw terrible things happening again, starting to happen. Someone needed to do something about it. Yeah. And if there's one thing that history teaches you, there's a point at which the world has to say, stop, enough is enough. Yeah. To do that again, I'll hit you, so to speak. Yeah. Do you not think that uh, I agree? And I supported the the intervention as well at the time. But looking back at it, it was very much framed as this is Serbia misbehaving again. Serbia has misbehaved in the past. Look at what these Serbians are doing, and we've got to stop Serbia. And I think that's what galvanised a lot of 
opinion because of what we'd seen during the, the, the wars previously that Serbia gets all the criticism and opprobrium uh, but I, th- I think in the end that it is justified what we did the cost of course is the long lasting hatred towards the UK and Serbia which I, I think we, we tend to forget that with the I think here on our little island you know we, we, we forget that there are one or two countries out there that really despise us in particular <laughs> that is one of them I think there was a lot of unity around that it was one of the first times uh, that I saw in my lifetime where NATO uh, was used to take decisive action and that something was stopped and that there was a clear outcome right you're going to stop this violence right now of course there was a few disasters along 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 the way do you remember when we bombed the chinese embassy in belgrade yeah. oh yes i had forgotten about that but yes and then of course there was the thing where we bombed the tv radio broadcaster in belgrade yeah and of course, it's, it, uh, that's very controversial as to whether it's a legitimate target. Because you tend, tend to find that journalists and things tend to be people that are on your side, you know, it, uh, on the whole. Old news. So you, you've looked a little bit about sort of the, the older history, you know, the, the old, old news of, I, of Kosovo. And so what, what sort of points would you like to draw out? I, I did, yeah. As, as these things go, when I'm researching stuff, I do disappear down rabbit holes. <laughs> I do tend to be interested in history uh, more than... Recent events, probably, I would say. <laughs> this is why we're doing old news, so, isn't it, yeah, rather than so, new news. Yeah, so suddenly I, I found myself back at sort of the end of the Byzantine Empire. <laughs> they poked my head out and went, hang on, this is what I'm supposed to be researching. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, one thing I found interesting was that the modern area of Kosovo was very much the heartland of uh, Serbia in the in the days after the Byzantine Empire had sort of retreated the Slavic tribes and um, the Bulgarians or the Bulgars I suppose they would have been called at the time were sort of taking over the a tribe of people sort of calling themselves Serbians grew up in the Kosovo area eventually forming a kingdom and then an empire what is now Kosovo and you know, people would think of as not being Serbia. Really, you can see why the Serbians think it is Serbia. Yeah. It's incredibly emotional the attachment they have to that piece of land. Yeah, you know, due to the, the the Battle of Kosovo, which is kind of central to the foundation of Serbia as a king a kingdom. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the Battle of Kosovo is where the Ottoman Empire beat a coalition of Serbians and Hungarians and whoever else wanted to get involved mm. and essentially took over that part of the world so it became part of the Ottoman Empire. Right, so e- even though that is a, a lot, it, it represents the beginning of the occupation by the Ottomans, it's also a, a, like a moment where that nation is formed. It's yeah, sort of it like sort a, of solidifies yeah. a certain amount of national feeling. Right, and so that becomes the rallying point for all kind of future demands for Serbian independence. Yeah. From that point on, Islamification starts to take place, although it seems to have been quite slow, and it wasn't until... Because the Battle of Kosovo... I've written this down, actually happened in 1389. Right, okay. So, quite a long time ago indeed. It's not until the 18th and 19th centuries that Albanians and Turks, who are properly Muslim mm. uh, people, become the dominant ethnic group right, in okay. what is now Kosovo. So, it's a relatively recent thing 
that Kosovan Albanians, like in the grand scheme of things, that the yeah, that it becomes an Albanian that major- becomes, majority a- that's a- right. area, yeah. and the majority religion is mm. Islam rather than Orthodox mm. Christian. Because this all then plays into the, the the politics around sort of the nineteen twelve. Later on, you know, when the Serbians are, are demanding uh, independence from the the Ottomans, and you know, the, obviously the Austro-Hungarians are, are, are on the borders, or whatever. It's all, it's all complex history, which I don't pretend to understand. But there is this sort of period where uh, the the Serbian population is only about twenty five percent at that at that mm. point, so at the beginning of the twentieth century, yeah. and so. Serbian demands that it be Serbia become like they look unrealistic in lots of ways. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah, but this says something about the history of Kosovo, or, or, or actually all that land in the Balkans of transfers of population o- o- over the years. You know, where people have been moved in in big numbers and been moved out. This is how you get this this sort of imbalance. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything else you wanted to sort of draw out in the kind of the the, the more sort of older history? No, that's of, really it. Yeah. I just found that uh, an interesting counterpoint to us particularly in Britain, and I'm guessing most of the rest of the Western world, it was put to us as, these are Serbs trampling on Muslims, it's it's there, you know, it's Albanians' land, land and all that yeah. kind of thing. But you only have to go back a few hundred years, which you, you think, well, yeah, that's, that's a few hundred years, that's yeah. a long time ago. But in the, the memory of a nation, a few hundred years isn't very long. Long, yeah. Yeah, the identities you know. are still very, very strong. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because I looked a little bit more sort of the recent history, and it's interesting how the same events get reflected again and again, right? And, and the same sort of demands back and forth. So I, I started in March 1981, but actually uh, go go back to like the end of the end of the Second World World War. Yugoslavia is 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 a very complex affair because essentially the axis gets thrown out by partisan action. You know, with with the help of the Allies and so on, but it, and so they become the centre for the government, and the Albanian Kosovars are sort of promised an act of self determination, so long as they go in with Yugoslavia. You said you you come in with us, and you know we'll grant you the opportunity to then sort of self determine yourselves as to whether you want to be independent or more likely be Albanian, like join part, part, of, part of the state of yeah. Albania. So they agree and then they rebel. So then they get crushed by the, the, the Yugoslav partisans, and mostly the Serbian partisans. So they end up then as part, of, like as a as an autonomous part of Yugoslavia. But for a long time under Tito, in the early part of of that of that era, uh, it's it's autonomous but only in name. And then it's not until a bit later where uh, they actually grant them full autonomy. And by the sort of the sort of the, the modern era in Yugoslavia, they were granted more or less full status as part of the republic, uh, of the federal republic of Yugoslavia. But it was full status, but not quite. They weren't quite a full, but they still had a separate president. They still had a separate prime minister, and they still had certain representation at the federal level. But they they were still a sub part of Serbia formally. And I hadn't realised that March nineteen eighty one. There's uh, there is demands in inside Kosovo for like full status as a republic. So it's not quite independence at this stage, but that this leads to terrible rioting, like real disorder. The, the, the like they're talking thousands of people who get involved in this, uh, and and they get crushed. 
And I thought it's interesting that that is very similar sort of era to the outbreak of disorder in Poland. Yes. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. It's about the same time, isn't it? Yeah, and you just wonder. And the very, very early stirrings of things in the, Bal- the, the Baltic states, you know, the Soviet Union. So you just wonder if the... If, if these kind of nationalist feelings all over Europe were sort of willing, or that part of Europe were sort of just on the boil, and this is where it sort of comes from. And then the whole of the 80s is sort of this increased emigration of Serbs out of Kosovo, out of Kosovo to other parts of Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then there's increased tension, you know, there's battles in the streets, like from time to time, you know, just sort of uh, ethnic tension, people's houses being burnt, graves desecrated and so on. And then this goes on in like a sporadic fashion for the whole of the 80s. I had no idea that was the case. No, me neither. Yeah, mm. and, and, and this really surprised me that you, it's easy to forget that Tito's stewardship of that country was brutal but extremely skilled really the, the fact that he held that together the problem was that it's like a pressure cooker build, building up isn't it that it, it's yeah. sort of it's getting worse and worse yeah and then there's a whole load of of, of sort of events that happen but uh Slobodan Milosevic you know who obviously then becomes the the key boogeyman from Serbia he comes to power in the Serbian Communist Party, largely on the strength of going to Kosovo and saying, I will protect the Serbs here. Right. Yeah, and the, the, there's some key events in uh, in, in sort of the, 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 uh, the early 90s, or the late 80s, early 90s, where that's where, that's where his power base come, comes from. He, he builds up popular support. He then becomes the leader of Serbia and then obviously gets into the federal structure and then this is why the, the tensions in Yugoslavia get all the worse because it becomes Serbia extremely dominant and the other countries going, well, why why Serbia in charge? This is meant to be a federal republic. Yeah. There was actually a declaration of independence in ni- 1990. Yeah. Um, is this something the, you came across? The 2nd of July 1990, they declared the Republic of Kosovo, with an A at uh-huh. the end, but it was still within the Yugoslav Federation, so there were essentially... Kosovan Assembly, mm. like their, their, their sort of parliament within their autonomous republic, <laughs> it yeah. becomes the, the word, the terminology becomes very difficult and complicated. But uh, yeah, so they they declare themselves a republic within the federation, so that kind of wanting to give themselves equal standing with the other republics. Yeah, Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, Slovenia, Croatia and yeah. so on. But of course, they just declare it. Nobody agrees to it. Yeah. Then in 1992, there's this uh, unrecognised referendum. You come across that where yeah. uh, <laughs> you know when you see numbers like this, you just think, "Hang on, there's an 80 percent turnout." You think, "Well, that's fair enough." And then there's a 98 percent agreement for independence. Yeah, you think, "Really, 98 percent?" Do you get a feeling that no Serbs voted in this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is why it's sort of it's unrecognised, and and then. Did did you look at all it, the the Dayton Accords? Because I didn't realize how much of this conflict like is unfinished business from Dayton. I didn't. I skipped over that a little bit. Because the Dayton Accords in '95 are kind of what settles the Bosnian, Bosnian War, isn't yeah. it? And I mean that's terribly complicated, and they they end up with this setup that is still there now, and it's it they have a country within a country and two prime ministers, and it's all very complex. But the whole edifice is still standing, so it has worked. It's working, yeah. yeah. But the, the, the Albanians in Kosovo don't agree with the outcome, don't agree with, with their status still inside of 
like the remaining Yugoslavia. And so the KLA is formed the Kosovo Liberation Army. And their their sort of actions in that sort of period from ninety five up to ninety eight, ninety nine become more and more aggressive. Yeah. And they don't come out of the see it's been very easy to say, Oh, poor Albanians and you know, evil Serbs, yet at this point a lot of the actions of the KLA are extremely questionable attacking civilian populations and attacking Serbian members of the state and so on, innocent civilians, they're, they're not in any way innocent in this. Yeah. So then, then you go through the cool through through the Kosovo War in 1999. It was interesting when I was in Belgrade, I've been there twice now, seeing the damage 10 years later. Right. Yeah, and, and they're still, still present in downtown Belgrade, mm-hmm. yeah, the damage that was done. The Serbian behaviour at that point is sort of one of the things that, drives us to action isn't it because i've there's a list of massacres apparently uh according to wikipedia so don't we'll take this pinch of salt there's a massacre at kuska podujevo and a lot of other places that i really can't pronounce i do apologize this is why i think the serbians get cast as the bad guys because they then start to attack the civilian populations so now we've got people have done bad things on both sides emotions like are just incredibly high and and then how on earth do you build a peace? It's very easy to then sort of get caught into a debate about, you know, the role of the EU, right? Because uh, in Britain, the EU is obviously a very vexed subject now. But I think this is one case where the EU has been almost an unalloyed good because the EU have led the way in terms of bringing about talks between the Serbians on one side and the Kosovans. Mm-hmm. On the other, so is this some something you've looked at at all? I, I, I saw something about because the e, the EU have no official stance on the existence of Kosovo. Yeah, because there's a few EU states refuse to re- recognise Kosovo. This is why we have no stance in the EU. Mm-hmm. But that that again, you know, it's it's the EU and Serbia together, which is interest, interesting. They t- they together they go to the, uh, the the UN General Assembly, but they they have a joint motion to talk to talk about like having sort of more normalised relations, like actually opening talks between Serbia and Kosovo, and this is done under the EU's uh, auspices, you know, and they they host the talks, and uh, this is a modest success, you know. This sort of starts in March two thousand and one with the sort of the, the first dialogues, and they talk about all the sort of the really boring stuff that states have to to do. So things like uh, freedom of movement at the borders for people and cars. I've got uh, land registration, marriages, births, and death registration, and access to the records, uh, recognition of each other's universities, customs. What's the other one that's really electricity? You know, this. Right. Yeah, yeah, really. And this is the thing that I think it's interesting that despite the fact that the various governments in Serbia over the years have said, we will not recognize independence, like under any circumstances, that every time they engage in a dialogue, they end up sort of in a de facto way recognizing them as a separate state. Because mm-hmm. you've got to. You, you, it's what politicians have to do, they've got a public front. But then also they have to say, yeah, but we still have to talk to them. <laughs> yeah. They end up having to face both ways because they're in the talks saying, 
well let's do this deal about like where we connect the electricity supplies and you know uh, mobile phone roaming and all, and all of this mm. then they're going to go home and go I have this deal but in no way does it recognise Kosovo <laughs> no Serbian uh, look, national look, pride has been maintained the signature is tipexed out look yeah <laughs> I know and it's it's kind of crazy that I, I would hate to be a politician in that part, part of the world because you, you're trying to do the right thing for the country you know they got you know, in a later date, and uh, they got rid of like the trade embargoes and so on. You've got this sort of progression. So, 2012, the prime ministers of both meet. I was going to say both countries, but obviously that's it depends on your point of view. Point of view, yeah. uh, and then sixth of Feb, 2013, the presidents meet for the first time. Uh, and again, this this is done in uh, leads to the Brussels Agreement. And then subsequently, 2015, much more recently, there's like a series of smaller agreements on, again, on very functional things like the, elect the electricity issue finally gets solved and whatever. So it, it says to me I, that, that despite the fact that we've got this thing whereby the Serbians are still claiming it's part of Serbia and it's sort of administered separately, that step by step, the Serbians are being forced to admit that it is a country of, of its own. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I don't know what what the future is. I don't know how do you how do you get out of that situation? Do you mean and just have Serbia recognise Kosovo as an yeah. independent nation? Just time, really. You, you just drip free. It's just drip fed, very slowly. I mean, you've got to say so. Why do they need to for the time being? If they don't want to, right? Fine. Yeah. As long as no one's attacking each other as long as you're not at each other's throats and you're keeping a lid on and it you, yeah. yeah you're keeping the dialogue open and you're connecting your electricity wires you, yeah whatever else you know the sewerage <laughs> what have you yeah yeah water yeah. supply i'm sure yeah. there's stuff like that and yeah. eventually as long as no one tries to suddenly jump it too fast one direction or the other it will become just a fact of life and people will go oh well let's just do it now yeah. quite recently the prime minister of uh, serbia has said that any change in the status of kosovo would have to go to a referendum of the serbian people right right so although i imagine if you were to just put it to the vote right now yeah the serbian people would I don't know. Most likely, say this is part of Serbia. We mm. don't accept. But if you think about it, it's 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 that same direction of travel. Yeah. All the time, people will just come to well, just not be interested in it. Yeah. Transitional uh, arrangements will just become permanent arrangements. Yeah, and it will and become eventually... boring, and no one will care. Yeah. And the the heat will be taken out out of it. But yeah. part of the agreements in the, like the very recent years has been saying that neither side will block each other's attempts and relations with the EU. And it's been seen that that these agreements have taken the roadblocks out of the way for Serbia to now pursue its EU membership if it wishes to. Right. Yeah. But obviously, as an independent state, Kosovo probably has long-term ambitions to be a member of the EU. Mm -hmm. Well, so does Albania as well. Let's not forget that they're yeah. sort of slightly for, for further uh, behind, behind behind them. Uh, the, the 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 parallel I wanted to draw was between uh, the EU and Cyprus. Okay. Right, because I always thought one of the big, big mistakes we made when we had the, uh, you know, the EU ten that joined, mm -hmm. was that we we allowed the, the Cypriot government to negotiate uh, uh, an agreement with Turkish Northern Cyprus that doesn't exist, of course. Um, 
but it does because we can name it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, well, I've been there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Really, I'm not here, but had I had a really nice chocolate cake. Oh, really? They had good chocolate cake in Turkish <laughs> Northern Cy- Cyprus. Yeah, yeah. It didn't exist. It was it was really nice, but it virtual was cake. it was virtual chocolate cake. Yeah. It only exists if you ask a Turk. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, it was this bananas. But we allowed them to join. Uh, they negotiated the agreement, but then, of course, the, the Turkish side accepted the agreement, but the Greek side rejected it. And so C- Cyprus joins the EU, and the pace of progress on that peace issue has been at a snail's pace since, right? Because they've got nothing pushing them. They haven't got a, they haven't got a carrot dangled yeah. in front of them. Yeah. Yeah, and and now and now the, the Greek part is holding the stick, going well. We can just do whatever we want, yeah, and and more recently there has been some sort of easing of tensions, hasn't there? And it looks like there there might be a long term solution to that now, but there's a whole other issue, depending of course on the chaos in Turkey, which is an, an another thing. But oh, let's get ourselves banned in Turkey. It's very easy now. <laughs> have we it? already done that? Yeah. Oh, have we, we already do Turkey in well, a previous episode? Well, we've already got China and North Korea and a few other places. So yeah. let's get ourselves banned banned there. But he's a dictator. He's just a dictator. Anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> and where we're, we're worried about the the Serbian. <laughs> now you're getting the Turkish <laughs> security services interested in us. What's there was there was that very famous thing, wasn't there, about in, international relations? There's some some I can't remember who it was now, I have to look it up. There was a British diplomat in the sort of the in the nineteenth century said there's three rules you should know about international uh, relations. Never invade Russia. Nobody ever wins in Afghanistan and don't piss off the Turks. <laughs> like, which just seems like like does that's always a good, that's always good, good advice. It, it, like it still is true now as it was like hundred odd years ago. Yeah, but so like if Serbia were to be allowed to join the EU tomorrow, no, say 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 they were to meet the requirements and also you know the population were to go for it, they would still be doing it like and still claiming Kosovo. And then where does that leave the EU and allowing Kosovo to join as a member? You become hostages to countries like Greece that are still refusing to recognise them. I think we should solve that question first before we allow further travel down the road. Not that we have a say in it anymore. No, unfortunately. But one of the things I think is very sad is that a lot of the diplomats and the head people that have that, that have negotiated all these agreements between Belgrade and Pristina have been British diplomats working for the EU. Yeah, and suddenly we're not going to be there. Yeah, we're not going to be be there. We're not going to be the sponsors of uh, peace anymore. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I guess that's the kind of work that isn't terribly sexy and nobody understands. Was actually incredibly important. Yeah, yeah. It's the kind of thing Britain should feel proud of doing, mm. but instead we don't. But alas, I, th- I still think there's there's reasons for op- optimism in Kosovo, despite the fact that it's poor, despite the fact that it's like still ethnically very 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 tense. Or whatever, it seems that both parties are at least trying to lead normal lives, yeah, and not be in conflict. It's old news. So shall we uh, wrap that up there? Do you think mm. we've said enough on the on the vexed question of Kosovo? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I think I've, I've enjoyed that. I think yeah. very complicated. I hope, and apologies if we've got anything wrong historically. We've yeah. tried to be even-handed. I hope we've come across that way. If if you want to comment and discuss, go ahead. Please do. We're always looking for fee- for feedback, but in yeah. a nice way. 
Right, should we uh, thank a few people? Yes, thank yous is always traditional at this time of the uh, yeah, proceedings. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank Jack, a friend from work who's very much our super fan. <laughs> Hello, Jack. <laughs> yeah, he comments on everything and he, uh, he seems to love us. And I did say I'd mention him because I missed him out last time by accident. He, yeah. he does a, a very convincing impression of a goat. Thank you. Oh really? Wow! <laughs> I thought you were going to say the impression of me there. No, was, no, oh, no, 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 the horror. No, no. And also, uh, Steve, he's made a few suggestions, which is something we always welcome because yeah. you know we can only come up with a finite number of stories. So uh, I'd also like to thank you to, uh, to uh, Graham, who's also made a fantastic suggestion of uh, the Chernobyl incident. Yes, which I think is fa- uh, something that, that that I really uh, I really want to get my teeth into. So yeah, that, that'd be fantastic. Yep. And we've got the traditional thank yous. We've got to thank Pete Kitson for the use of his voice. Is, is he also available for weddings, bar mitzvahs, birthdays, etc.? Yeah, anything yeah. you want. Marvellous. I'd also uh, obviously like to thank you, uh, bensound.com, for the use of their royalty free music, all available under Creative Commons. So uh, thank you, bensound.com. Oh, and also exciting news! Exciting news! There is more ways to listen to old news podcast. You can now find us on YouTube. So go to YouTube and with your favourite browser and/or app, and uh, look up old news podcast. You can get in touch with us, of course, with uh, email oldnewspod at gmail dot com, and you can tweet at us uh, at oldnewspod. And you can also find us at our website, oldnews.podbean.com, and also uh, on the Facebooks, <laughs> the Book of Faces. <laughs> Which reminds me, while I was in Ireland, just to go back, back to the beginning of the show, uh, I went to see the Book of Kells. It was very famously one of the like one of the oldest handwritten manuscripts of oh, you know, the the uh, of. of I think I saw you. The, go- the Gospels. And, you comment about this. Yeah, yeah and I commented, you know, there's a, a grand job, lads, but it's not quite as good as the, the one from the Lindisfarne boys. <laughs> <laughs> as, as handwritten books go. But yes, the Book of Faces, uh, we are available on, on there. So please do get in touch, interact. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of the issues that we've talked about, whether you agree, disagree. Maybe there's an angle that you have. Uh, so please do let us know. Remember, uh, whichever format you're listening to us on, remember to like, rate, subscribe, comment, and generally give us a good review if that's what you feel is... uh, We'll love a bit of that five-star action. Marvellous. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye.